Got it. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to Latinos in Clinical Research uh, August webinar. So we have today uh, two guests that uh, we have not get anyone yet with their background. So it's going to be our first time and we are very excited about it. Uh, we have today Carlos Leiva. He is a doctor trained overseas, but he's a very seasoned doctor. He he's a surgeon from the University of Honduras. Uh, he's a founded member of uh, ASOSAM Unica. That's, uh, uh, that's the Association of Research Medical Students. Uh, he's also actively participating in multiple medical and scientific research protocols in Honduras, Mexico, and USA. Uh, he is also a former student of the CRC Academy. And uh, um, so he's going to tell us a little bit about his background and his story um, coming to United States as a, a foreign uh, trained physician. And uh, he's going to share a little bit about it. So I let you guys hear his amazing story. He's, he's actually uh great at networking <laughs> so i leave you with carlos thank you for the warm welcome monica uh thank you for having me everyone and for being here today um yeah so like monica said my name is carlos uh leva i'm original from honduras beautiful country in central america in the heart of the continent um i was born raised and trained overseas uh in, in honduras uh i'm a trained physician and I'm currently, I immigrated to the U.S. as of a little bit over a year ago, like somewhere like around 14 months. The first moment that I arrived in the country, to this country, to the U.S., um, I encountered the very first obstacle, which is as after 12 years of professional training, 12, 13 years of professional training in healthcare um, in advanced science, in, in medical fields and back home, I wasn't able to work here in after in, in anything that I was officially trained for and formally trained for uh, due to licensure, due to many different uh, steps that you have to overcome in the U.S. in order for you to be able to go back into the, um, into the, the field. Uh, so the easiest path for for every IMG, we're called IMGs, International Medical Graduates. As um, the easiest path is, you start working as a as a medical assistant, which is pretty much we're you're not exactly um, you're not exactly providing uh, care for patients. You're just like taking care of the administrative part and rather than the clinical part. But we are clinicians at heart, so I I wasn't exactly happy um, doing what I was doing. So I just I've always had this uh, urgent passion for scientific research itself. However, this was very this is very interesting because even though I had been trained in scientific research and medical research, I had no idea that the clinical research. Um, the clinical research field was so um, accepting and so welcoming to many different uh, professionals from different backgrounds. And um, when I started researching about the, I stumbled upon the material that Dan has up on, on YouTube. That's how I started looking into everything. Um, and it was very, very inspiring because it was very realistic. And I had no idea that as a trained physician, I had the chance, I had the opportunity to contribute in instead of 
designing of a, a, a protocol because as physicians you're trained to like design protocol. Carlos, you got mute, <laughs> muted. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, do you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, so uh, I was I was very excited and I was very enticed by the fact that I was going to be able that I'm now able to participate of the process of when you are testing a new drug and launching a new drug or 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 testing a new medical device uh, that was complete that completely blew my mind completely blew my mind because i had never thought that i could be a part of something like that um so as a trained physician um as a clinician at heart i was um i i, I decided to go into deeper into this and that's how i met monica and that's how she called me on the day that i was moving actually i was in the middle of moving all my boxes when Monica called me and she's like, hey, we need to talk. Um, and because I had reached out previously to the CRC Academy. And um, and that's how my story started in clinical research. And I'm able to, to pivot my career into a field that is extremely rewarding and super stable because it's an industry that is extremely stable. I have I have no idea this was this was the, this was the thing here because in our countries that doesn't exist. There's no regulations for clinical research, so you cannot legally test drugs in our countries. Um, it's diff very different the, the approach that we have back home. So the fact that I'm able to to have access to that now here, and I'm blown away. And every everyone else in my social circle, in my professional social circle they're blown away and they're super super excited about the fact that we can actually get training to become a part of a new drug or a new protocols that will ultimately change our lives uh change patients lives and Carlos, that what, yeah this is a good very good sorry to cut you off what i was gonna ask you what um what are your thoughts as an img um on being a coordinator because today my business partner Chris, who he's, I think he might be on, but he's might be calling in. Um, but he was telling me he talked to a PI today, and the PI, um, we told him about our CRC Academy, and the PI said, "No, I don't need the CRC Academy because I'm hiring an IMG, and you know they're doctors, so they're smart. So there's like this, you know, they're not the same thing." Chris eventually like talked to him about the skill sets are different, you know, totally different jobs. I mean. Like, yes, there's the IMG could be smart. Doesn't mean you're going to be a good coordinator. But what are your thoughts? Because this is not the first time I come I run across this like idea that somehow a study coordinator is inferior for a physician. So that's a very interesting question, Dan, because um, I thought about it this, at, when, when I started reading about it. Is it what does the CRC do? Um, and it's a clinical research coordinator. And technically, I'm a clinician, so I have the clinical part. Um, the re research, well, as, a phys as physicians, you're required to, to fulfill a certain amount of hours of research. And, but the coordinator part, it's not only, I thought, ah, oh, this is being a coordinator, it's just being a good leader, yada, yada. I was so, so wrong. I was so, so wrong. We have zero knowledge when it comes to FDA regulations. We have zero knowledge when it comes to uh, um. Luckily, since I had been involved in scientific research previously, I, I was I had my NIH uh, certificate previously. I had uh, so I was exposed to a little bit. I was exposed to a very little bit, but absolutely not like when as a 
as a, after, like I mentioned, after 12, 13 years of schooling and professional training, I would not be able to carry out um, to the best of my ability the duties of a CRC um, without the training that I have received currently with the CRC Academy. It's virtually impossible because there's we're not trained to be coordinators. We're not trained to be uh, we're not trained to be CRCs, and so this is is ultimately something that will translate when I decide to further my clinical training into the fact that I'm going to be able not only to prescribe medication, but to come out with new options, new treatment options because of my new exposure to clinical research. And Monica, I think you're mute, but yeah, thank you, Carla. Yeah, I have yeah. been meaning to ask uh, this yeah, question every yeah, chance I, I get. I know that I, I, I was, uh, I'm very happy to hear that uh, um, answer from Carlos because obviously um, it's, it's, it's like, it's like my, my sister will say, it's different the peers than the apple. I mean, both come from a tree. <laughs> it, it, so what I'm trying to say is that both are in healthcare somehow. And obviously having the, the medical background or the, or the education it will definitely be a huge plus, but the process, uh, the processes that the clinical research coordinator do requires obviously some more uh, education. Yeah, so now we have our other guest, Lastenia. <laughs> Lastenia is uh, an, um, she is a lawyer, not just trained in the United States, but also in Honduras. So she's, she's a double-time uh, lawyer. Uh, she is uh, she concentrates all her um, efforts in immigration, practice of family, employment, and humanitarian, and, and sporting defense. Lastenia, like I say, is licensed both here and in uh, uh, Honduras. Um, her legal exposure started in, in, in Honduras and working as a judicial assistant of the Supreme Court of Justice. Wow, <laughs> what an amazing background. So she's here to talk about the opportunities and the options that are out there for uh, people that, um, I mean, like, for example, like Carlos. Carlos later on is going to share a little bit more about his story, uh, immigration story that actually um, it, it, it has a lot to do with Lastenia. <laughs> they are both from Honduras and they know each other from there. So welcome and thank you for being here, Lastenia. Thank you very much. Like I mentioned before, it's the very first time we ever had a lawyer uh, talking about uh, such an important topic such as immigration and the opportunities that uh, people have with research, most especially doctors trained overseas. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so essentially, um, nowadays, there's so many opportunities, visa opportunities for brilliant people. Like what we need is, you know, brilliant mind, people that actually want to go forward with their future. Um, one of the ways to do it, of course, and the most important way to do it is through the education, right? Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I am excited to be here with you guys, uh, discuss some legal options, visas for foreign uh, trained doctors that want to come to the U.S. like Carlos. And of course, I want to share their successful stories. 
do you do you but let's start this way do you have any specific questions that you guys wanna uh, want me to answer yeah everybody um feel free to unmute yourself or if you want to leave in the chat <clears throat> myself monica judy we could look at the chat and uh read questions when they come up um Lesenia, i do have a question and it's not pertaining to someone who's a foreign medical graduate but what about other international student graduates who come to the u.s and you know, they further their education, maybe get like a master's in clinical research. Maybe they have a different background in their country, like a pharmacist. Um, and then they graduate and they're looking for a job. Um, but, you know, they're here temporarily. So I don't know if you can yeah. go over that if there's time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So essentially, the most important thing is that we look into the um, applicant background, right? The, the education, the first um requirement is that the person is legally in the country. So if they enter legally and they have a valid legal status and they do have a, the equivalent of a bachelor's degree uh, in the US, then there's different options for that person. But that will depend on the job offer that the person is getting. For instance, there's so many visas, right? There are many visas available for people. And uh, depending on the type of job offer that they are uh, obtaining and their background education, that will determine the type of visa that they will be able to obtain. For instance, if you have someone that has a foreign ma a master's degree, they for sure uh, meet the requirements of a U.S. bachelor's degree. But that would not only be uh, not that would not be the only thing that is required. It's only it's also going to be required that they have um years of experience working as you know whatever degree they have and aside of that you also need a u.s employer uh, making offer making an offer to them whether it is to come for a research site which is essentially one of the most common and for that people uses the ea1 visa um, there is a one requirement that the j visa has and is that the people that comes with that visa they are required to be outside the US thereafter for two years. However, there's a waiver for that. So it really depends on the background education and the job offer that the people is, is, is obtaining. Okay, and quick question to follow up on that. Um, so if they get an offer in the US um, from an employer like a research site, um, does it usually, that company will sponsor their visa or is it something independently they can do to go through a process or usually it's an employer who has to like sponsor? I, I don't know if that's the right term. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. exactly. So the, the, the employer has to sponsor the visa, essentially. Uh, they have, if it's for a research, for instance, the employer has to have, of course, the, the need of someone to come uh, to work on some research. And so the, the employer will be the sponsor of that visa. That cannot, the, the individual cannot do it by itself. I have a quick question in regards to that. On average, obviously, I don't, you don't know all the answers, right? But on average, what will be the cost of sponsoring somebody like in that situation? There's really no cost other than the attorney's fees and the immigration process fees. Uh, but there's no requirement that the sponsor pays, you know, X amount of money uh, to the government. There's not, there's nothing like that. 
What is required is depending on the type of visa that the company that is sponsoring the, the foreigner has at least one year uh, to be in the market, you know, like, because they have to have, have filed taxes for at least one year. And the employer have to prove the need of bringing the, this person to the U.S. But that is, the cost varies depending on the type of visa that the person is applying for. There's so many visas, uh, but that's essentially what it is. Oh, okay, thank you for that. We have some yeah, questions sure. on, the, on the chat. So, um, Ola Yumuke asks, uh, hello, is there opportunity for pharmacists to with visiting visa? Pharmacies for what, I'm sorry? With a so I, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, they, they, they are referring to a visa, like a tourist visa, that the person is here with tourist visa. Yeah, if the person is in the United States with a tourist visa, let's just remember that the purpose of the tourist visa is, uh, there's two purposes, where if they have the B1, B2, uh, B1 is business, B2 is uh, tourism. So if they are in the United States, the most important thing, like I said at the beginning, is that they are in a legal status, meaning that the six months that were given to them to remain in the United States are still valid. From there, uh, for example, pharmacists, they can, uh, they can work uh, on um, college if they do uh, some sort of investigation research for college universities, they can perfectly um, switch to a different type of visa. Um, but yeah, definitely, if they are in the United States in a legal status, there's different visa options for pharmacists. Okay, the, the next question. Thank you for that, uh, Lastenia. Yeah, sure. How about for a person who, this is uh, Carla. Thank you, Carla. It's, it's nice to see you here. How about for a person who is trained as a coordinator in another country and I would like to bring to the, and, uh, I would like to bring to the USA? So she's a coordinator overseas and she wants to and she wants to come to the United States or she wants to bring someone that is a coordinator to the United States. Yeah, she wants to bring someone that is a coordinator to the United States. So she wants to be the sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, uh, every single case has to be evaluated individually because we have to make sure that the person meets the education requirement. It's not only the education, but it's also education, training, abilities, right? That's the one thing that we have to evaluate as well as the employer, the U.S. employer need to bring someone to the United States. So if this person is going to add up to the employer's company, most definitely the person can be sponsored. Okay, thank you for that. Now, Andrea, thank you, Andrea. Hello, it is possible to apply for a TN visa. TN visa is for Canadian and Mexicans. So if you are a Canadian um, national or a Mexi Mexican national, yes, provided that you have a job offer in the United States. Okay, everybody's happy with the answers. <laughs> um, I don't see any more questions in the okay, chat. Actually, I do have another question to follow okay. up, maybe, because um, I, I know some people in situations like this. Um, so if they've <laughs> received a job offer 
okay, they graduated their master's program, they're an international student, they're here legally, um, they received a job offer, they're going to accept it, take that job offer, then they start that process. Yes, right? or, it really yeah. depends, because there's okay. two ways to do it. Uh, one way, if they're in the United States legally, they can switch to a different type of visa, depending the type of visa that we're going to be applying for them. Now, if they want to go back to their home country, we can do something that is called uh, consular processing. Essentially, we'll do the process, but in a different way. They will submit the petition. Once that is approved, the person is going to go um, to the U.S. Embassy in their home country to an interview, depending on the type of visa. Um, that's the way it is done. Because what happens is sometimes they'll take the job they, they offer, but they want to keep or they want to conserve their uh, tourist visa. Right, because if they do an adjustment within the United States, then their visa, their tourist visa, is gonna basically adjust to a different type of visa, and and that in that regards, they can lose their visa. So in order for them to conserve it, they will have to do a consular processing. Every like like I said, every single case needs to be evaluated depending on the facts and the circumstances of each individual case. But there's a you know, I love the United States. There's so many ways that you can come to the U.S. work legally and uh, be successful. I mean, myself, I am one of those, right? I came to the state. I was a, a Honduran attorney, came and uh, did all the process, went to law school, became an attorney in the United States. Carlos is another example. So there's real people that is, you know, like doing things that are possible for those who actually wants to come and uh, those that actually have goals and those that actually wants to move forward with their life. What they have to do is make a decision and say, hey, you know what? I wanna do it, I wanna study, I wanna be someone, I wanna be successful. There's, there's ways, there's, you know, ways to do it legally speaking. Okay, now Cassandra wanted to ask a question. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I have two two quick questions. First, from from a standpoint, I think Carla also had the same question. On average, we know that each case is different, but on average, how long does the process take? Hmm. It can take between six months to twelve months, depending on the type of visa. Because there's many, there's different uh, bases. It can be family bases, uh, humanitarian bases. Uh, employment basis, you know, depending on the type of visa, it can take between six months to 12 months to be approved. Okay. And I think some people listening to the webinar um, later on in the recording might say, well, you know, I'm an employer. I've never done this before. This is new territory for me, but we're pushing in the industry this whole diversity and, and inclusion. You know, this is one way to bring more diverse clinicians into the space. But what does this mean from a timing investment for these organizations, right? You have the experience that you've had successful cases, but from someone that may be a little apprehensive to go through this process, what advice or what tips would you give them to say, yes, do it? It's not that hard. It's not that labor intensive and it can be done. Well, that, that's exactly what I will say. If you have the goal to actually get it done, the most important thing is that you get a good attorney that advise you on what the process is and how you need to move forward with the project. But yeah, it's that's essentially what it is. That's a great question, Cassandra. Thank you very much because yeah, a lot no, of every, companies. Every beginning, yeah. <laughs> every beginning from you know any standpoint, the employer 
or the applicant or you know someone that is trying new stuff at every beginning brings you know changes brings you know you get scared you don't know how to do things but if you have the vision to actually do it all you have to do is uh, get someone that is going to actually, exactly, knock on doors, get someone that is going to actually point you on that way and advise you on how you need to do things in order to move forward with your project. Yeah, I think the best way to 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 go is, is starting to looking for professional advice like uh, an attorney because there is no one else that will uh, give you best advice on, on that um, and then on top of that, the attorney can give you guidance and put you in the right direction. So you will know exactly what will be the next step. And, and then obviously get, get it done. It's to add something, um, I'm sorry to cut you off, it's to add something about the, the process and the time frame. Um, let's say if you could probably um, answer this uh, much better. The, there's, the current administration has approved an expedite um, an expedite channel, an expedite, an expedited way to for employment-based visas to to what I understand. So you would get the, your case adjudicated. You have to pay the uh, the premium advance, the premium expedite fee, but you can get your case adjudicated in under ninety days or something like that. Am I correct? Yeah, that is correct. That's you know, like the new um, administration has. Because what happened is during the pandemic, there were so many employment uh, applications that they didn't actually, um, they weren't used because of, you know, like the embassies were closed. There were so many things that happened during COVID. And uh, so now the administration has approved the premium expedite um, uh, fees where if your employer is sponsoring an employment-based visa for you. And there's different visas uh, that they're sponsoring for you. You can pay the, the premium fees and you shall get the approval or the decision um, sooner than the six months. They said 90 days. Exactly, that's exactly right. And thank you for reminding me of that, Carlos. I kind of forgot because that's new. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And also they have the exclusivity as I understand it. So if, it's, if an employer sponsors your work visa, the um, the beneficiary is required to work during the period of time that the visa is approved for the same employee, correct? That is correct. The same employer. Okay, and then I have another question and then we go with the questions in the chat. Um, is there any benefit of applying uh, like for a work or something in research specifically? Oh, so yeah. Absolutely. You know, the United States encouraged people to come and use their abilities to make research. Especially, you know, like they want medicals, they want pharmacies, and they want all these uh, healthcare professionals to come to the United States because uh, that's one of the things that they care the most, which is the, the healthcare system in the United States. So if you are uh, looking to come to the US and do some sort of research, there's actually the, the most common visa for that is the H-1B visa, simply because there's no cap on it. And uh, there's, there's always a visa available for those that wants to do research and also for those that wants to actually uh, uh, be teachers in community college. 
So if you want to come to the United States and you are a healthcare professional or trained or, you know, you're involved in that, uh, that's, what, that's one of the things that the United States always says yes, provided that you, of course, meet the requirements. Oh, that's great. It's part of the know. STEM program. If I understand well, it's part of the STEM program, which is the scientists, the science and informatics exactly. and the technology, something like that, right? This, so part of the STEM program, they, they apply for a, for a waiver and expedite, an expedite case. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, once you are in the U.S., depending on the type of visa that you have, like I said, when you have a J-1 visa and you want to switch to a different type of visa, normally any other professional will have to go back to their home country and stay for their, there for two years. However, if you are a healthcare professional and you want to switch to a different type of visa within the United States, you can always apply. Most of the time you can apply for a waiver. So you can just switch and remain, remain in the United States. That's great, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, so we have uh, not many questions in the chat. So question, since the, this industry is so specific, how detailed as a company or, is, or prospective need to get for the immigrant officers? I mean, I get tired of explaining what I do just to get regular, just to get a regular loan. <laughs> I cannot imagine how difficult, why I need to be, um, how difficult when I need to bring someone from another country. Well, that's the reason why you get a, a good immigration attorney. So they will do the job for you. Uh, <laughs> all you have to do is follow the attorney's advice as to what documents you need to provide or what information you need to provide and the attorney will handle everything for you. Uh, but um, essentially you have to make an offer, right? You have to provide a job opportunity for this person. And you also have to show the need of this person to come to the United States and the need will be based on different things. For instance, the, the people uh, background, education, right? Ba ba education background. Um, and also the need because there's no people in the United States that is available or there's few people available to comply with the research that you need or to comply with the job that you need. So you, you have to do your part, but it wouldn't be as, you know, it's not that difficult, especially when you get an attorney that actually loves their job, uh, they get creative and uh, all you need to do is get with the right person and they, and they will advise you on how to move forward with it. We're going to be providing Lastenia information mm -hmm. at the end. And obviously it's gonna be uh, in, on our link below the, the video once we post it. So um, so anybody that wants to get in contact with her, she's one of those uh, passionate, creative lawyers. <laughs> and you. plus she understands uh, what of it course. is to be immigrant. Exactly, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I we can vouch for that. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have any more questions or we just going to start talking about specific uh, kind of visas or opportunities? Anybody has any more questions? I don't, I don't have a question, but I have a, something to add also from a um, professional standpoint as, as um, healthcare professionals. Um, meaning, uh, for example, in my case, as an IMG, but it is also applies for PharmDs, for pharmacists, and um, some dentists and microbiologists as well. Um, every healthcare professional, so whatever in our countries is required 
to be associated to a professional college like the Honduran Professional uh, College of, of uh, Physicians or and Pharmacists, it's considered an advanced degree in the U.S. academically. So that's considered an advanced degree, meaning that that's more than it's, of course, is equal to, to a bachelor's, but it's greater than a master's degree, but below a doctorate degree, below a PhD. So the academic, uh, the academic requirements are fulfilled if we um, hold a, a degree from an approved institution by the U.S. Because there's a lot of medical schools around the world that they're not uh, certified by the, by the American uh, system. So as long as your school where you obtained your degree is registered and, and, and it's certified by the U.S., there's a website where you can check if your school is registered because they have to pay every two, three or four years, I'm not sure, uh, the registration. Then your degree is perfectly academically valid here. So that's one one thing less to worry. And then it's just to prove the fact that they are the abilities in research, for example, and that's where the creativity of wonderful uh, attorneys like Lastenia do. Yeah, okay. essentially, uh, thank you, thank you, Carlos. I'm sorry, <laughs> I just wanna add up to something. Uh, essentially, if you do have a bachelor degree, foreign bachelor degree, uh, that you study five plus years, and then you also did a residency, that will be provided that it's from a, um, an approved institution that will be the equivalent of a advanced bachelor's degree in the United States. So it will be a bachelor's degree in the United States. Now, if you actually wanna use your master's degree because you could qualify for a different type of visa based on if you have a bachelor's, a master's, you know, a doctoral degree. If you wanna use your master's degree, you can perfectly, perfectly do that as well. So the first thing that will, as attorneys advise people is to get their education uh, evaluated because that's one of the things that is gonna open the doors for you to come to the United States and use that degree. Oh, that's very interesting to know because probably, I mean, so then the, the first step that the, the, the applicant needs to do is also to find out if they're a bachelor's is um, valid or yeah, I mean, not valid, called, but- It's called academic translation. Uh, of the degree um, and any professional that comes over needs to do that. There's multiple entities, um, private multiple entities that do that. The average cost of that is like around $150. Um, you get a, a response in about less than a month. You have the degree. They're probably going to, depending on which route you decide, they will require your a copy of your degree, uh, then a, trans, a certified translated copy into English if it's in different language and they'll require your transcripts as well in both in the original language and in English. They all have to be sort of, you can, you can do this, everything, you can do it online. Everything you can do it online. It took me like three days to gather the paperwork. Um, and in like three weeks, I had my, my degree, uh, they gave it back to me and they officially translated my degree into the academic equivalent in the U.S. So it's super exactly. easy to do that. Yeah, thank you for that information. You guys wonder why Carlos knows so much? Well, he did his job and then he he was working with Lastenia on his process. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend Lastenia as an attorney, as an immigration attorney. Yeah, yeah, Carlos is my client. <laughs> mind you, no, she no, came no, over no, to this that. country. Yeah, mind you, she came over to this country without even being able to fluently speak the, the language and she was able to make it. So That's everybody exactly has right. a chance. And so she's exactly. she's more of an example than anyone else here. Yeah, we have some. Yeah, thank you. So we have somebody that is going to ask a question. 
um, forgive me if I, if I mispronounced your name, <laughs> Chukuwama, I think. <laughs> yes, Chukuwama, yes. thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Please uh, go ahead. Uh, all right, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Chukuma Geruka, also an IMG, currently um, a CRUA right now. I started out from listening to Dan too. Thank you, Dan. Um, my question is this, please. Um, is it possible for a sponsor company as regards to clinical research participants in a particular therapeutic unit, for example, vaccine, something like a HIV study, there's um, a tribe where I come from, I'm originally from West Africa, um, that it is said that people from that tribe do not get infected with HIV. So sometimes I'm thinking of going into that research and finding a way to bring in these participants from that tribe to the United States to be part of this um, clinical research. So I'm wondering, the only thing keeps holding me back is I'm beginning to think that the sponsor company would rather go to my to, to that country and, and, and do that study. I'm asking, what is the possibility of working together with sponsors to bring in participants to participate in a study? Yeah, thank you. It, yeah, sure. It's possible. All you have to, like I said, uh, that's a very, you know, it will be a very interesting uh, research to actually make. And it will actually help a lot in the community, you know, like in the in the healthcare um, community. If you, you know, like if you guys were able to come up with something like that, uh, it's possible or will have to be done. You know, the employer may have, may want to actually do it, get it done overseas compared to the United States for different reasons, right? But that's on the employer, but possible it is. Anything that you can think of that you, Thing that will help the, the, the healthcare system will be possible to actually come and get it done in the United States. All right, thank you, because I'm asking, because this tribe is a very remote tribe and I've been there, they have no electricity, <laughs> they really have no water and all that. So I'm imagining a site cannot even exist there unless you have to transport these people to the nearest you know, city or something. So I've been having it in my head to do this, and it, I stand to benefit a lot in this research too, if it works out. You know, so absolutely. I'm about, mm -hmm. absolutely. There's actually different visas that also do not require a job sponsor. For instance, if you want to come to the United States and make an investment, uh, you could do an investment visa, or if you want to come and and do. Uh, other type of uh, visas, there's one visa that is called EB3, that visa do not require an employer to sponsor you. It will require different, uh, it will have different requirements, but will also allow you to come to the United States and um, do a different type of job without the sponsorship of uh, an employer. And also there's another one that is called EB2 uh, with the national interest waiver where if you can prove to the government of the United States that you actually wanna perform some sort of a job or a career that is in the interest of the United States, they will waive the employment uh, offer. So essentially you can probably do it without the sponsor. You would just have to uh, find the, the right attorney to help you. And I'm sorry if I keep repeating it, but you know it. You need to get advice from someone that is uh, capable 
of helping you with those uh, type of questions. And then you can probably come on a different type of visa if you're not able to find um, uh, a sponsor for that. Now, the easier way to do it will be with a sponsor, uh, especially if you wanna do it as a research, that's for sure a yes. So the other visas will be a little bit more difficult, but there's also possibilities for that. Lastenia, I think what he was meanting is to bring the patients, not the employers. So for example, if a patient that have a particular condition that no one else is in the world has, uh, like he was talking about a tribe that has never been like they they don't get uh, they don't uh, get HIV. Their body is immune to HIV. Immune. So they, he's thinking to bring these patients to do a research here. So I think obviously besides the besides the 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 rules and regulations for immigrants, it also has to be taken into account the regulations for research. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. I'm sorry if I misunderstood the question, but in that instance, you know, that's a very interesting position. I have not seen yet um, bringing a person to do a research on that person. Um, that's something that we will have to actually uh, look for, like look into it. I do work with some very good experienced immigration attorneys that uh, handle these type of visas as well, that I can actually work colleagues, we work in the same company, uh, that we can uh, look into it, you know, like closer to see if that's even actually possible because now I'm thinking, okay, so uh, anybody that comes to the United States needs to meet certain criteria in terms of vaccines and, you know, because the, the United States also don't want to bring some people that could potentially harm the public, right? So we'll have to look into so many different things, but um, if we are able to, to come up with the basis and everything, I don't see why not. Right, I thanks. love so many thanks. good yeah. answers and so many great questions too. Okay, so we have, okay. Um, yeah, we're going to be sharing all the, the links possible in the when, when we share this video. Um, and then uh, I think it will be a great idea uh, if Carlos and uh, Lastenia share with us uh, Carlos' story a little bit and yeah. how, how, how it started and how it is going. <laughs> Yes, thank you uh, again. Yeah, so well, what happens is that um, our friendship with Lastenia goes way, way back. Uh, we have we have story. We we are friends uh, since we were in we were teenagers. Since we were teenagers, we were in uh, probably middle school when we became friends. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it was, it was quite a long long time ago, and um, I had. To, so I came over for some some training. I always had my, the mindset of of uh, leaving Honduras and go and practice medicine or or get involved in medicine in elsewhere because I knew there was something more. There was something more, and I like I mentioned before, I, I was always passionate about scientific research, but I was not entirely. I found out that I was not entirely passionate about the the sign of the protocols and the the, the methodology of it. I was. Um, uh, I'm ER trained, and 
So I'm more about on top being on top of the patient. And that's when I discovered uh, clinical research. And then as I discovered clinical research, I simultaneously discovered through consulting with Lastenia um, that there's a very interesting legal pa immigration pathway through clinical research for us because we already fulfill um, a good amount of the, as IMDs, I'm speaking about IMDs and other medical professionals, we already fulfill the most important requirements, which are the academic requirements. And now if I have someone, for example, my experience with the CRC Academy uh, doing the externship that will not only, and then after the externship, I will be provided with my certification and all that. Um, it's true. It's not uh, an academic um, formal education, but it is considered the, the acquiring experience. So once I have my professional degree and you add that the certification and you add the, the experience as a CRC through the externship that the CRC Academy provides you with, um, you are a very, very qualified professional to opt for a job offer as in a clinical research position, which is how Lastenias also has been guiding me through. Um, in the end, personally, I it was a, a different path, uh, a different immigration path because I was already, uh, I had already um, been under a, a family petition, family-based petition. But if I would have known about this earlier, then uh, I would have probably chose uh, chose this route instead. And now what happens is that there's a huge amount of Honduran IMGs that are my friends and colleagues over there, and they're looking into the option. So they're crazy about getting more trained. And uh, we have a lot to offer. Um, as IMGs, we have a lot a lot to offer for uh, multiple research sites because uh, a PI will understand very, will we'll speak the same language. It's We'll speak the same language clinically speaking. Um, at least from our standpoint, uh, we we had, we need like less training clinic on our clinical approach. It's more training in the technical approach of regulations, which is what the CRC uh, Academy provides you with. Yeah, that's actually awesome to to hear because obviously there are a lot of practitioners from overseas that would love to have the opportunity, but they just probably still scared or not looking for for the options so they don't because they don't know they don't see them right that's why we're doing this video <laughs> and then on top of that we're bringing uh we're bringing all these uh clinicians or these professionals from overseas it's also going to mitigate the big gap that we have with diversity uh because now we're gonna have uh, professionals that speak the different language or that bring the the, the diversity that they already have uh into the industry so I think it's it's a it's a great opportunity for everybody, and obviously, is uh, this is a great uh, this is a great industry to be in. Um, starting as a clinical research coordinator is probably one of the best ways that I consider. Um, maybe somebody else have a different uh, opinion. I consider uh, that being a clinical research coordinator is a great way to start because it. Uh, it gives the the physician or the professional a solid foundation in the industry, and from there they can go in different million different other paths, uh, including uh, we we actually interviewed not so long ago a doctor trained in Mexico that became a medical, yeah, medical uh, monitor. monitor. 
I get so, asked that question I mean, almost every day. Like, how do I be a medical monitor? I mean, clinical research coordinator is like the gateway to all that stuff. And it's such a good entry point for international medical graduates. Um, it's unbelievable, actually, the potential opportunity you can have just from that one position. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're definitely going to follow Carlos's career. And there's others like him as well. Chukuma, who you heard from, there's lots of stories out there. So it's just, it's, um, I've started advertising more on TikTok as well with the hashtag international medical graduate, and it seems to be working a little bit too. Yeah, and this is also a great path for CNS and for all the the, the practitioners that maybe are um, underestimating their own knowledge. <laughs> this industry is amazing, I promise you. <laughs> yep, Chukuma wants to- Chukuma has an older hand. question. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. It's, it's not a question. It's more like, well, I believe everyone is different and um, the level of IQ is different in every human being. It's about the CRC startup. It's wonderful. It's a very good thing. It's a good idea. But I believe that if you know yourself, depending on your level of intelligence and understanding, you can know as, an, as, an, as a trained doctor with some years of experience, Personally, I got into CRE directly. From IMG to CRE, I didn't go to IMG to CRC. And it was a little bit tough first month in the real world. But in there, maybe because of the company I work with, they guide you. And with my knowledge and my training, it became easier. And it's been going well since that time up till now. So um, I'm not against the CRC part. Okay, but I believe that if you think you know yourself well enough to do it, it's a risk, then go for it. I'm just, I'm just contributing. Yeah. Chukua, I have a question for you. Did you have any knowledge at all in research before you actually uh, start uh, or, or joined or became a CRA or any experience? The only knowledge I had was months of listening to Dan Ferrer, his videos his classes, applying it to my CV. I had tons of interviews and I was able to convince them beyond reasonable doubt. Okay, and, okay. And, 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 and my next question is how long it took you? I started, it took me a space of, I think I'll consider myself lucky, about a year and eight months. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's that's why we recommend the route of the CRC, the CRC just because it's going to short that 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 period of time is going to make it faster and then you're going to gain the experience as a CRC and then go speed up that, that for example uh if you if you become a CRC uh you will have like six months experience and then jump into the CRA uh so it will be a much shorter path than obviously uh, you were very consistent and, 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 and determined to achieve that goal. And maybe many other people will get in the, I mean, like frustrated because they're trying and trying and trying for such a long time and nothing has happened. But I think what actually got you there besides your intelligence, your knowledge, and obviously your um, uh, desire to be a CRA was your determination. Not everybody has the same. 
you're, you're, very, you're very correct. I agree with you 100%. And I totally, I can totally relate uh, to you, um, Chukwuma, because I thought I could do the CRA. Uh, I could do, I, I was, I thought to myself like, whoa, but the, I already know this and this and that. I'm like, I could go into CRA, but then I started seeing what the CRA um, um, duties were. And I was like, oh, wait, I have zero knowledge. And what is this? So uh, and then I reconsidered. And after doing my research, I did realize that I would prefer, you, you prefer to train yourself because you have to have CRC knowledge to become a CRA. Otherwise, you won't be able to make it correctly. Um, and you decided to, to train yourself, which is amazing because you're very, very determined and very intelligent. Um, but I would prefer, I'm a hands-on learner. I would prefer to learn at, at the job instead. And that is in a period of six months, like Monica said, you can perfectly acquire the experience necessary to jump as a CRA because you already have the right background. And the other factor that plays a very important part is, for example, when you're involved in respiratory, uh, respiratory uh, clinical research, if you have an internal medicine background, if you're a specialist in anesthesiology or something like that, you're going to be oriented there, so you're, you have a plus. However, there's as an IMG, you don't necessarily have, have to be a specialist, a clinical specialist, to become a, a part of the... Uh, a part of the clinical research field and if you become a generalist then you're able to participate in any and any other uh, research field in clinical research correct again. Yeah. yeah thank you i think we have been learning a lot a lot of things <laughs> in this in this spe special session of this the latinos in clinical research um yeah, thank you, Carol. Carol is actually from Mexico. She is one of our dear uh, loyal followers. Thank you, Carol, for being here. <laughs> so does anybody has any more questions? We have about one more minute. <laughs> I don't have a question, but I want to say thank you both yeah. for being on this webinar today. Um, this is a lot of useful information that hopefully a lot of people get to listen to and can do something with if they're kind of in the middle, not sure which path they can go if they're an international student or graduate. And hopefully this has provided um, a lot of answers to those questions, or hopefully they reach out to you and maybe you guys can guide them on that path. Yeah, thank you both. It's um obviously by the turnout and the questions it's a topic that's very popular at all times and um we usually don't know how to answer it so that's why we have experts like you guys on so thank you lastenia start receiving people i mean people start reaching out to lastenia even before the webinar <laughs> no absolutely not. feel free you know i mean i, I was one of them uh then you know I was one of one people knocking on people's door to financiers. Of course, it's a different profession. I'm an attorney, but uh, I was. I, I also had to look for people. I also uh, seek advice. I also spoke with people. I also went to different law schools. I did different tests. So I was one of them. About I want to say, mm, five years ago, maybe. Uh, wow. So, impressive. Exactly. <laughs> so feel free. Feel free. And uh, anything I can help with, you know, like I'm here. There's different options uh, for medicals, for healthcare providers. The, the best is the research. And uh, 
The reason being is because it's what the, the government needs, is what, what they want to come. And so research and professors, you know, scientists, all those uh, positions are always welcome to the United States. So feel free to reach back to me. Thank you very much, Lastenia and Carlos, for such an informative uh, session. And, and we invite everybody, all the doctors uh, overseas to come to United States. We really need <laughs> more clinicians here or more professionals. Uh, if you're thinking about it, we hope this video uh, actually make you uh, take action. <laughs> we will be, again, we will be sharing Lastenia information. Uh, in the in the link below the video, if anybody wants to uh, reach out to her, and um, and I will also be uh, posting the the link that Carlos mentioned about the getting the professional um, the academic translation, yeah, academic, the academic translation, yeah. The, the academic I'm, translation. Actually gonna, I'm actually gonna do you a favor, and I'm gonna provide you my cell phone number so you can be more personal, closer Ooh. to me. Oh, wow. Ooh, you get that clear. Sure? There's no coming back from this. <laughs> oh, Lastenia. You got in trouble. You don't know what you've just done. No, no, no. I mean, I could have been any other kind of attorney, right? Family, uh, accident, any other attorney, but I became an immigration attorney because I'm one of you. Like, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, we're many here. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank so you for having I think, us. Yeah, we're going to wrap up here. Then uh, um, anybody from Latinos in Clinical Research Team, does anybody has any questions or any additional uh, comments? Nope. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you, everybody, for being here. We'll see you guys uh, next month for our next webinar. Uh, we're going to be planning to do another one of these webinars in Spanish, uh, obviously oh. with our favorite lawyer, Lastenian and, <laughs> and, 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 and company, Carlos. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we can share all this information also for our fellow um, uh, Latin Americans and Hispanic community. Thank you, everybody, Absolutely. for being here.